Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. This is what our relationship looks like uh, from a um, from a uh, nonverbal visual per, um, perspective. No, come on, come come here. You ready? Come here. You're supposed to leave the room. <laughs> I am leaning away a little bit, though. Yeah. Um, with me today, I have a special guest. She was almost named Laquisha. No. Oh, was, she was almost named Talisha. Talisha. She was almost named Nicole. She was almost named Tiffany. Tiffany. She was almost named Monique. Monique. Tiffany Monique. My mom had. That you know, sounds very 90s. I actually like. I don't like Nicole. It's my middle name. No, 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 no. no but it was going to be your. your no, as a, as, a, as a first name, I meant. Um, Tequisha. No. What was it again? God. I don't say it again. It's a weird name. Talisha. Talisha. It's a weird name. It's just a weird I don't know any Talishas. Where are you going? The avoidant, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Talisha Shantae. Her mom almost named her Shantae, which would have been ridiculous. Oh, Talisha, Talisha Shantae Bennett. First and, and middle. I, I could kind of see you as a Tiffany, but, you know, with the whole, but I, I don't know. It reminds me of t- Tiffany. T- okay, moving Tiffany, on. Tiffany Anderson. <laughs> okay, here's the question. Ready? I love it. Somebody on the live goes, why are we here? <laughs> what the fuck? Welcome to my life. <laughs> why are we here? I just told you. We're going to answer a question and go deeper. We're going depth instead of width. Okay, okay, okay. Go. Also, so hurtful. <laughs> why are we here? Can I read it now? Well, can I just say something real quick? I think the world expects a lot from people who turn the camera on they want to see dancing they want to see comedy they want to see something that's going to change their life in 10 minutes and look i mean i'm trying but jesus this is free <laughs> except for premium members they're paying five dollars a month okay go ahead okay <clears throat> so we have a long question to read right but it's actually it's good i think a lot of people will benefit okay so this is anonymous by the way mm-hmm. so it started even in my first relationship a toxic high school one, and it could have even started beforehand. My backstory. If I had a crush on someone in school, I was always rejected. In my first relationship, I had trouble trusting if he truly had feelings for me. I had trouble trusting him in general, that he would be faithful or stay with me. In my next relationship, the man seemed to trust me fully, but if he was talking to an acquaintance at a social event who was wearing, say, fishnet stockings, I would feel a twinge of heartache that he might be interested in her. This was my first long-term relationship, and I knew lack of trust was bad, so I simply didn't give that struggling part of me attention. My next relationship is still currently ongoing as a situationship. The man also has twinges of trust issues at any mention of another guy. I also have never been certain he has been faithful. What does trust feel like? How does a person truly trust without Mm -hmm. ignoring reasons or situations to mistrust? What is the difference between mistrusting for a legitimate reason versus mistrusting for a not legitimate reason and how to deal with each of those situations? I, you know, one of the things I wonder about this person is how much of this is 
um, not being able to trust and how much of it is an insecurity thing. It sounds like from her story, um, she's always been um, insecure with self, mm-hmm. right? Like high school, like the, the, the picture painted with if she was with someone who was looking at someone else with fishnet stockings, she's already having anxiety or feeling. Um, so I don't know if it's a trust thing or if it's that um, she's just really insecure, maybe. And, and maybe um, she has not had a lot of experiences in relationships or with uh, being liked. I don't know. Well, one of the things that they say is um, if I had a crush on someone in school, I was always rejected. Yes. So that's what I meant by her story. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a, a real story that this person has created about themselves, which is that they will be rejected, mm-hmm. that they're not worthy of a trusting partnership, um, that perhaps they're not worthy of attracting somebody who will, you know, be faithful, whatever that means to this person. Um and so then they're they're kind of acting it out in real life, yes. which is what we do, right? We create these stories about ourselves, and then we just move into our lives, and we essentially reenact these stories over and over again. Yeah. We prove them to ourselves. Right? Yeah. So it's almost like her um, limited beliefs or her false beliefs um, being manifested. Mm-hmm. Instead of her dissolving beliefs about herself, um, she's allowing and, – and usually these beliefs live underneath, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, she's allowing the car to be driven by these false beliefs instead of her saying, here's what I deserve here, you know, or working on a, a stronger sense of self and, and, and worth. Right. So, you know, I talk a lot about the the fact that we are only capable of giving other people what we're capable of giving ourselves, or we're only capable of tolerating in other people what we're capable of tolerating in ourselves. So give us an example. If I well using this example, if I am not if I don't trust myself, capital S self. I don't have a relationship with myself, I don't have a connection with myself, right? Which is insecurity. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to therefore be able to also trust other people, right? If I do not have the capacity to hold myself with reverence and love and know that I am worthy and that I am lovable, I am also not going to be able to actually see other people in the same light. So this is what I mean, mean by see seeking. The other, see, see other people as in um, how they will feel about me. Or even themselves, right? And so if I'm attracting people who are also like, let's say they're not trustworthy, mm-hmm. they're people who are you know, acting in not trustworthy ways, um, it's playing out, going back to what you were saying about her relationship with herself or insecurity, it's playing out because of how she sees herself. Sure. See what I'm saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I I agree with that. Um, and by the way, Vanessa um, studied depth psychology, and this is why she tends to go deeper. And I think um, because when I think about trust, although trust is foundational and can be deep, it's more surface based. I think. What do you mean? Well, it's more surface based compared to. Um, one story belief in self, self that lives underneath. So, I I, I hear what you're she, saying. She's yeah. saying, you know, she's basically asking, at what point is, um, is it, is it in my head, and at what point is should I trust? Right. Well, ultimately, I don't have trust in other people to hold my heart and treat me with respect. But 
I really believe that many times we are insecure about things like our relationships because we are insecure about ourselves, about the world, about more existential things than that. If I trusted myself, if I trusted that I was held, if I trusted that the universe was holding me and that, um, you know, I had a, I know I'm going to go deep here, but like, this is the kind of work that I do with my clients. If I had um, a trust in, let's say, a connection to something larger than myself, a spiritual practice, um, I I really worked with my fear around death, right? Uh, My fear of loss of control. Those types of existential anxieties trickle into and show up in a more kind of like tangible way in things like, oh, I don't trust my partner not to cheat on me. It's because I have a larger issue with trust that I am held, that I will be okay, that I've got me, that I don't have to know exactly what the world's going to look like. Things don't have to be so black and white. It's our, it's our inability to deal with control. And so these larger existential anxieties then show up in like, okay, well, if I can control the partnership, if I can control not being cheated on, if I can, then somehow it's like I'm convincing myself that I have control, which we don't, we never do, right? That's why you'll see like, like for example, um, you know, somebody struggling with addiction, which I would argue we all kind of do in our own way. That's my attempt at controlling the uncontrollable, which is life. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, um, but you, but you saying that's my way of control to me is their way of um numbing or escaping um in the addiction be- example yes in yeah. the addiction example because they they have um anxiety right so mm-hmm. anyway going back I to I think it's all anxiety related I guess is my point well going back to this person um basically the prescription you're saying is if you learn to trust yourself mm-hmm. then you will be able to trust others right and trusting oneself of course, is a journey. It's not. Uh, it's not something you do over the weekend. It's. Uh, I mean, actually, it's a lifestyle because you do it. Um, that relationship with, small with, with self is a constant up and down, right? Mm-hmm. Like like your relationship with anyone else. Um, so working on that. So so then then it kind of gets me to um, say that maybe she doesn't have much of a relationship or connection to self. No, I would say that probably not. Yeah, and and then um, this may be kind of judgmental, but uh, if that is the case, then what exactly are you bringing to the table in a relationship? No, I don't think it's actually judgmental. I think it's I think it's cut and dry. I think it's to the point. I mean, I think that's a really valid point. I think that this is what I see. I'd say more than anything else as a reoccurring pattern in people that come to me, especially when I have couples that come is the ex like I go into listen none of us are like perfect and healed and trust ourselves and love ourselves before we go into relationships obviously right we are relational creatures we we learn and evolve actually in relationship but sometimes what happens is let's say somebody who has major insecurities like this person does they go out there and they get into relationships and unconsciously the hope is that this person will then get that will make that insecurity go away then this person will fill that hole. Maybe mm. this person will fill that hole, right? The problem is, is that, that that's a bucket with a hole in it. So it doesn't matter who you reach for. If you're trying to reach outside of yourself to fill that hole, it's never going to work, right? That bucket is going to always have a hole in it, and it's just going to keep going through. So 
if you are listening to this uh, and you you ask the question, and by the way, thank you for asking. This is actually um, a great question, mm-hmm. and also it throws a wide net because so many people can relate to this. Totally. Um, you know, I was thinking about myself and how it relates to me, and I think with me, um, yeah, I think with women too, but more so growing up in L.A., um, going way back to me first coming to America at age three, parents um, putting me in a strawberry shortcake t-shirt because they didn't know that they were for um, boys or girls. Um, and then, you know, the bull haircut and being Korean, um, the whole thing of trying to fit in, right? The mm-hmm. whole thing of trying to be American, uh, Levi's, Coca-Cola, that kind of thing. Um, that was imprinted uh in me at a very young age and i wonder if as i grew up fitting in meant not only uh expensive cars and 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 designer clothes but also uh getting you know the prettiest girl in the room Mm -hmm. or getting you know uh, anyone who everyone else thought was attractive because then it made me worth more validation validation and so then one can say is that really coming from uh, a disconnection or lacking in self. Um, this is the overfunctioner. Oh, I am the under. No, I just won't touch you then. I was just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking, guys. Take it easy. The, I do the whole flat the the um flat affect the flat affect the deadpan. Okay, and then people are like, "Oh my god, that guy's abusive. He's such a dick." <laughs> yeah, people have actually said that about yeah, you. Yeah, and I'm just I'm being sarcastic. Uh, if you're listening, Vanessa uh, tried to take a hair off my forehead, and I called her an overfunctioner. It was a joke. It was a joke. Okay, so um, I don't know. So, so, so that's so my story. You know that the uh, me coming to America has positioned me that way. Um, so that isn't necessarily um, a case where I feel like I'm lacking or insecure. Or I is think it? There's some insecurity in that for sure. I mean. And I, I get where it's coming from. I mean, it makes sense that that would be part of your story, right? And so part of your work, probably forever part of your work, is going to be to feel like you are enough without anything else around you. Sure. The girls, the cars, the houses, the whatevers, right? Like, I am enough. And so when those anxieties come whoa, up- whoa, 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 hold on. So I, I agree with you 100%. And on, on, on paper, that is, you know, that is, that is it, right? But um, realistically, does anyone ever feel like that's why they I said are- it's a lifelong process? This is the process yeah. of individuation. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about coming to a place of of wholeness. I mean, that is that is that is the point of all of this is developing, sure, right? Becoming yeah. as 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 whole as one can be, right? Prior to exiting these bodies, in a way, so whole that there is no you. Which is now we're getting really ego. Kind of, you mean yes, ego? You yes, yeah. The dissolving of the- so yeah. I would say that it's a lifelong journey for you, but that's the imprint that you kind of came in really early with. And by the way, most of us have some version of that, right? I mean, that makes sense. But your work then, for a very long time, maybe forever, is going to be to be with yourself and know that you are enough, just you yourself, right? And so when the when the the kind of gut the drive Wait. to like get out, reach outside yourself comes. Sure. Your work is to notice the desire to reach outside yourself to make yourself feel better. 
and is to come back to self and sit with self and soothe through that anxiety, right? I mean, that's going to be the lifelong treatment, if you will. So let me ask you this. Um, how does one believe that they are enough? Everyone's story is different. I get it. Mm-hmm. But just broad strokes. How, do, how does one believe that they are enough? Do you want to answer that first? Or you want me to answer it? Well, I'm just thinking about my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but go ahead. Yes. Uh, I mean, I would say that it's through, it's a, like I said, it's a lifelong process, right? I mean, I think it's, um, it's a process of building blocks, right? So, um, do you think partnership helps? Do you think giving yourself an experience where someone uh, actually champions your stories and makes you feel uh, good enough mm, contributes? Yeah. Okay. So here's why I'm going eh, about that. Yeah, because you're going to say it you're looking to that else. person to make you yes, feel like you're I'm enough. Say you're not. I'm not saying you're dependent on that person. Uh, you are yes on your own journey, and and you it is your responsibility to feel enoughness. But we're also social. We're also creatures who are not meant to do life alone. So. Of course, but you you get in partnership because that partner is and is um what's the word I'm thinking of is a complement to you, right? Sure. Like they complement you. They don't complete you. They're the cherry no, on yes, the Sunday. Yes. They're not the Sunday, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, we talked about this. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't. I'm not. I don't think they. Um, and so yes, I'm not they, saying complimenting. You should be you. You're not depending on your partner to make you feel better about yourself. Yes. That, By not, nature, not. you should be with somebody who champions your story. Period. Hard stop. If you're with somebody who doesn't champion your story, you shouldn't be with that person. Well, supportive. Yes. your story. Being I mean, supportive. No, there are people that are- Then you shouldn't group, be with them. Why know? are you with somebody who's not supportive of you and your story? That to me doesn't feel like a, mm. of a true intimate relationship. That doesn't- I, I would literally tell a client to break up with somebody if they told me they don't support me or champion my story. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, not not that they don't. Some people just aren't good at it. Some people are, you know, they bring something else to the relationship. Um, and other people are really good at it. Other people are not only uh, cheerleaders, but uh, truly believe in. I mean, here's a good example. You know, if you have friends, you may not think that you are worth it or talented, but you have a group of friends who believe in you mm-hmm. and they are like your people. Mm-hmm the level of belief that you have in yourself is just going to rise because of the collective. Right. Which is why you should only surround yourself with people who do believe the best of you and do champion your story. Now here's what I think. So, so, okay. So then my point is that, yeah. So I said, so the whole question was, so then how do you believe that you are valuable? Well, one way is through other people. Reflected back at you. Of course. Yes. And by the way, the more you begin to value yourself, the more the relationships in your life are going to reflect back to you the same. So many times, right, when we are in a state of insecurity and we don't value ourselves, a lot of times the relationships around us reflect back very similar. The kind of people that we surround ourselves, right, reflect that story back to us. Once we start to do this work around creating that sense of self and trusting that sense of self and, right, establishing that ability to validate the self and all these things, the people around you start to change. Not the people individually change, but the actual people that who you are, surround who you choose yes. to surround yourself with. Yes. So that's one way. What's another way that doesn't involve another person? Um, 
where you can start to believe that you have worth because, you know, I don't think you just, it's not about affirmations. It's not about just forcing yourself to no. believe something because logically we do believe that I we have value. I don't love about affirmations anyway. Yeah. I, I, um, well, what I started to say a minute ago was I started to talk about the, the small individual things. So that's what I started mm-hmm. to say. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about how it doesn't rely on somebody else, it's in the day-to-day moments. So I call them micro moments, right? Mm-hmm. And I look at these micro moments as what I call building blocks on a sense of self, capital S, right? And so um, every time that I choose myself versus abandon myself, so that might be I say mm-hmm. no when I want to say no, right? Instead of saying yes. That might be I speak up and communicate my feelings versus sweeping them under the rug and walking around resentful. That might be, right? There's a million ways that we self-abandon, right? Uh, That we kind of tap dance for our belonging, if Mm -hmm. you will. Every time that I choose myself and I do not self-abandon, I am putting a building block on a sense of worth, a sense of value, a sense of self. That's what it looks like in action, right? So that's why I call them micro moments because in the moment, I set a boundary it might not seem like that big of a deal, mm-hmm. but it actually is because it's cumulative, right? Like over time, you're telling yourself that you are valuable. That's what you're doing in that moment. I think also I agree with that 100%. I also think um, there's nothing more convincing than an experience. So dropping mm-hmm. into your body mm-hmm. and uh, doing something and putting weight, like for example, like writing a book, right? We're both writers. Um, instead of the the weight being on if I'm a New York Times bestseller, mm-hmm. then that means that I've you know done something successful. But instead, maybe the weight is on if I actually complete, if I actually finish a manuscript, then that means I have mm-hmm. you know the ability to write a book. Mm-hmm. Or um, so bringing it to which like, again is less about others and more about self. Yeah, yeah, for right? sure, yeah. for sure. So um, always giving yourself like, what new experience do you need today? And then those experiences, you don't have to jump out of a plane. They could be small micro experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but constantly giving yourself new experiences, I think, is where reprogramming, rewiring. You also kind of get curious about, oh, what else could I do? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think also. Yeah, you start to get traction, right? Yeah, and I, I think new experiences start to imprint over mm-hmm. false beliefs, old experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, well, right, right. Because what happens is once you know what it feels like to choose yourself and to not self-abandon, what happens is it's not that you're ne- like, again, let's just use boundaries as like an easy example. It's not that you're never going to like slip up and say yes to something that you want to say no to. Of course you are. But what's going to happen is now that you've had a felt sense in your body of what it feels like to not self-abandon, when you self-abandon, it's going to feel so icky in your body that it's sure. hard to just ignore it, right? Again, it's not to like, you don't have to beat yourself up for doing the thing because we all do that. We're all going to say yes to something and want to say no. You know, we're not perfect. But it's like once you know, you can't unknow. Once you see, you can't unsee, right? And so you'll start swimming towards the, I know what it feels like to not self-abandon. I'm going to continue to swim towards that. Hey, let's end with this. This is actually um, one of the most common reasons why couples drift or even break up is mm. someone in the relationship believes that they have worth and they put action behind that. And for the other person, it's not what they signed up for. The relationship dynamic changes. Uh, this mm-hmm. is also you know, how people outgrow each other in friendships, right? So mm-hmm. this is why it's so important that in relationships, both people 
um, are growing together. And, you know, you hear this a lot that if you're not growing together, you're growing apart. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say that. Well, and I would, I would kind of build on what you're saying, but also say that in that example of the, one of the most common ways or reasons people break up, what happens is we get into relationships. And if I'm the person that's finding my validation and self-worth in you, and I start doing this work and in the relationship, and I start doing this work and I start finding that in myself, mm -hmm. a lot of times if the other person's not doing the work, that's when the imbalance starts to happen, right? Because then it starts to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You used to find your self-worth in us in an unhealthy right. way, right? And now you're not anymore. What the hell? <laughs> you just said exactly what I said. Well, I'm just saying, no, I, I, I'm talking about the finding the self-worth in the other person, I guess, is the part mm. that I wanted to build on what you were saying. So yes, everything you're saying, and a lot of times what it is unconsciously is it's like I go from finding my self-worth in you to finding it in me. So if two people are simultaneously, because finding self-worth, we've, we've already said it's a lifelong journey. If two people are consistently finding self-worth in self, mm -hmm. then you are creating tracks and moving forward. Mm -hmm. If one person is finding value in the other person or from the other person or the relationship mm -hmm. and one person's not, mm -hmm. the dynamic of the relation is going to change, which then also changes the chemistry. Mm -hmm. It just shifts everything. And that's when people start drifting and the relationship will slowly fall apart. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, if you want to um, ask me a question, um, that is like this, long-winded. I will dedicate an entire episode to you. Uh, just go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. And um, if you want to forgo a cup of coffee a month, um, you can just email me the question. Because you don't usually put these on Instagram? Uh, no, I'm just doing it today just to give them a taste. So my email is theangrytherapist at gmail. Thank you for listening. Be well. Be well.